Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Katie. And I'm your host, Chris. And this is our podcast. You can find us at cockandcrow.com, where this podcast lives, as well as our blog and our amazing e-course. The e-course is called Reality Rehab, and it's a course for anyone who's ever felt stuck in their relationship, in their crappy job, in their financial situation, basically stuck in anything. Having said all that, welcome to today's podcast. So we're going to give you little quick little intros about us, and then we'll go into our topic for today, which is polyamory and other non-traditional relationships. Um, and just stick with us if you don't know what that means or don't know what that is or think it's just some crazy, you know, out there concept that's over your head. It's probably not, but um, we'll go into that. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about you. So, I am 39 and I pretty much, you know, was raised with the conventional idea that monogamy is sort of the standard relationship model that everyone in the world abides by. And uh, as such, I you know, at pretty early age, went into a long-term monogamous relationship about seven years, and then went right from that to being married um, and in another long-term relationship for about 10 years. And then once that was done, I kind of was coming to the realization that maybe monogamy isn't really all that it's cracked up to be. And furthermore, maybe monogamy isn't even um, a natural sort of human instinct and that it was perhaps something else altogether. So um, I guess that kind of, that's that's sort of me. That's kind of what's going on right now. <laughs> well, so I kind of had the same, I'm 10 years younger, I'm 30. And so, and I kind of had the same deal, you know, grew up just with that same idea, that one idea of relationships, you know, man, woman, commitment, house, babies, happily ever after, you know, whatever. And so I was totally a serial monogamist, even more so than Chris was, because I was in, um, you know, six or seven or eight kind of long-term relationships. And the last one ending, the last one becoming a marriage and ending in divorce, and then kind of finding myself at the same place that Chris was, where I was just like, what is this? Why am I doing this? Why do I feel like this? Is there something else out there? Why can't I find anybody? Like, oh my God, you know? And then we sort of came together about a year after we each got divorced and we started exploring um, just our kind of natural instincts, which we later found out there was a word for, which which is polyamory. Yes. And I think both of us just coming from a marriage, you know, were in no hurry to jump right back into the same thing that we had been doing um, and just liked the idea of... of having sort of a freedom of choice and I think that just sort of carried naturally into our relationship right. um, and it evolved from there. So there's lots of misconceptions with m relationships that are not monogamous. Um, so there's kind of a few different types. There's swinging, which I'm sure everybody's, I feel like everybody's heard of swinging. That's generally when a couple meets another couple and they swap partners just in a sexual way, generally just, you know, for the night, like a very short term. And it's just about the sex. It's not about, you know, any kind of emotional connection or any kind of long-term thing. Um, so that's swinging. Another common one is an open relationship, quote unquote. And that's sort of really open-ended. People slap the open relationship title on, on lots of different scenarios. 
Um, so there isn't really a definition for that. Generally, an open relationship means that there isn't a monogamous agreement in place and that they um, are bringing bringing in outside people and whether that's in a sexual way or in a we're maintaining other relationships kind of way or we have sex with people when we're outside the country. I mean, you know, it's just all kinds of random, like, when he's away for the weekend, I can call XYZ because we have an open relationship, you know. It's kind of very, very vague. Yeah. I think another thing, too, open relationships typically are sort of the first step that... um Say if there's a couple who is already, they started out as monogamous, maybe they've been together, maybe they're married, they've been together for a long time, but they want to sort of dip their toe in the water of sort of consensual non-monogamy. So they will sort of say they have an open relationship and that's sort of their first foray into that kind of an arrangement. And it typically involves them meeting somebody on the side, maybe, you know, having sex with them, maybe establishing even some kind of a relationship with them. It typically doesn't involve bringing everybody all together um it's usually a completely separate situation and Um, it usually is just sexual yeah um and then you've got polygamy which people are often just confused by polygamy polyamory it kind of sounds similar but polygamy is is the one where there's the one dude with you know the four or five six different wives that's polygamy um and then there's a great term that's been gotten popular lately called monogamish um, which I like, sort of a label for couples who where they're each, you know, the other's primary partner, but they're not so regimented in their, um, you know, rules for their relationships. Also kind of another open-ended term. But then there's polyamory, um, and the definition is many loves. That's what the word polyamory means. Um, and so a common misconception about polyamory, about us being polyamorous, is that we just have sex with random people all the time. Um, and it's really not about that at all. Polyamory is more about um, establishing like an, an intimate, loving connection with multiple people, uh, sort of all together. Um, it's like like an open relationship, only everybody sort of spends all you know spends time together all the time with each other maybe even to the extent where they live together um it doesn't involve any specific number of people it can be three people it can be six people um it can be two couples it can be whatever um but it's generally the the sort of base requirement is that everybody not necessarily is sexual with each other but is is intimate and connected and bonded with everyone else in the relationship so a cool um, Woody comparison that, that we like to use because lots of people's reaction to polyamory is, oh, I'd never have time for that. Oh, I'd never have the energy for that because they're thinking of it as maintaining all kinds of separate relationships, which sounds exhausting to me too. And if that was the case, we wouldn't be doing it um, because that's where you know your love would be divided between all your different partners because you're all living separately. You're all maintaining separate lives. Um, But polyamory is more like, say you have one child, and then you have a second child. You don't love the first child any less. You're not dividing your love between the first and the second child. Your heart expands, and there's enough love for everybody, and nobody's keeping score, and everybody just, you know, lives in harmony together. Um, And that's, that's how polyamory is when it's practiced in a healthy way.
so we had kind of kind of said in the beginning, if you didn't know what poly was or you were kind of intimidated by the topic or thought it was just for crazy hippies or whatever, um, if you are in a great relationship but you feel like something's missing, poly might be worth looking into. If you're a man or a woman in a committed relationship and you have felt dirty or wrong um, for thinking about anyone other than your primary partner, if you grew up with any kind of shame around sexuality or if monogamy just doesn't feel natural to you or just doesn't make sense, just doesn't feel right, but you can't quite put your finger on it, um, polyamory might be something to learn about. So we talked about one common misconception of poly, which is just that we're having sex with random people all the time. Another super common misconception is that to be poly means that you just have to be passive and not care, um, or you just get to do whatever you want all the time. So as a man, that generally translates to people thinking, oh, well, you're a sissy little bitch, or you're just fucking whoever and spending time with whoever without regard to anyone else's feelings, just using, oh, I'm polyamorous as an excuse um, to kind of be insensitive and just do whatever you want. And then as a woman, it's sort of the same thing. People assume that you're either a doormat, you're just taking what you can get, your man is doing whatever he wants, or you're just doing whatever you want all the time without regard to anybody else. And that's not a healthy way to go about it at all. That's not true polyamory. That's not what we do. Um, a lot of people practice polyamory the wrong way and do it for the wrong reasons. Um, a lot of people are in committed monogamous relationships and they're trying to fill a void or put a band-aid on, you know, problems that they're having. And so they just, you know, decide, oh, we're going to be polyamorous. I've heard of other instances too of where like maybe a couple will be married or together and one of them will have an affair and so then the other one to even things out will decide to have another have an affair and then they have to like now they're just sort of poly because they've had weird sexual scenarios with other people but really there's there's no sort of healthy approach to it and they're just sort of using it to patch up you know wrongdoings in the relationship and that's a, just a totally unhealthy way to go about it too so a kind of a point we all always like to drive home is you have to be able to maintain a healthy relationship with one person before you can um, go involving anybody else and maintaining a healthy relationship with one person doesn't mean that you were say strictly monogamous for three years just to prove a point um, it could mean that you were even with someone in a typical monogamous relationship, you started feeling unfulfilled, and you expressed that in a healthy and respectful way. You don't just start seeing people on the side or having random sex or affairs or whatever. You talk to your partner like an adult and either respectfully end your relationship or if you're on the same page, you continue to explore poly together. I think it's important, too, to um, have like a healthy connection with your partner uh, you know, before you even start talking about it. Um, like we come across a lot of people who just like, I think men in particular, they have this weird thing where um, they, well, I guess just not men in general, but people get like super jealous. Like they just can't handle their jealousy. They can't even like wrap their heads around it or look into what's going on inside them or what their insecurities are or what the jealousy is even really kind of uncovering. Um, 
And if you can't deal with that, then you need to kind of really get on top of that as an individual before you start bringing other people into the relationship because it's just going to kind of crash and burn. Well, right. And because jealousy is a surface emotion, it's a trigger, you know, that you could use to uncover, like Chris was saying, something deeper. But most people just stop at jealousy. They're like, oh, I'm jealous, so you can't do that anymore. Or, oh, I'm jealous. You know, they just, they stop at jealousy. They don't bother to see where it's coming from or why or what it means or, um, and so that's a big thing. Are you jealous because you have low self-esteem? Are you jealous because you're really insecure? Are you jealous because your relationship isn't solid because you don't trust your partner because, 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 you know, you could just go as deep as you wanted to go with it. And so kind of what happens is a lot of people, instead of looking into their jealousy, they um, create like this weird arbitrary set of rules for their for their polyamorous relationship where like you can see another person, but you can't spend the night there or you can't or I don't ever want to see them or you can't bring them home or, you know, just kind of weird stuff that doesn't really make any sense. And really all it is doing is kind of trying to. I guess, make the person feel more secure, but in the end, it's not really dealing with anything. It's just kind of putting this Band-Aid on a stupid situation instead of having, um, you know, a mature conversation about it and kind of figuring out what the root of the issue is. Right. It kind of comes down to what can be really scary for most people is that you have to be in a really solid place and you have to ask yourself, well, what am I? I'm jealous that he'll leave me. And it's like, well, wouldn't you want that? If your partner met somebody else that could make them the happiest they could ever possibly be in their whole life, wouldn't you want them to be with that person? Would you want them to just stay with you out of some weird obligation or, you know? um, But that's kind of a, a place I think most people aren't willing to go just out of fear, out of just wanting to stay with what's established, stay in their routine, stay with what feels normal and comfortable. Um. I think, too, a lot of people have a lot of fear with, um, you know, polyamory potentially resulting in the the end of their existing relationship. And I think you, you can't look at it like that. You can't really make the out the final outcome of the relationship sort of the, the be-all, end-all of the situation. You have to, um, like Katie just said, you have to be prepared for the relationship to potentially end or change significantly or anything like that. And really, um, I think the idea of committing to a relationship um, as opposed to committing to each other's ultimate, ultimate happiness, happiness, you know, is is really a lot of the problem. I mean, people will go to insane lengths to try and save a relationship that probably has no business being saved um, and at the expense of being happy, you know, in the meantime. And... Um, I think if you can sort of let that go and let that weight, you know, remove that weight from your shoulders and not really be focused on the outcome of the relationship, then it sort of frees you up to enjoy the present a whole lot more and enjoy everything for what it is now and enjoy just focusing on each other's happiness. Um, because in the end, that's really kind of what it's all about anyway. And if you don't have to worry about the potential end of the relationship by by being polyamorous, then... Um, it's just ultimately freeing. Um, well, it's funny. I just recently um, partnered business-wise with a new person, and she asked me if I wanted a contract from her or some kind of agreement or something, you know, official that 
obligated her to me to the business in some way and I said no um because how could we possibly say that how you know it's working right now today we both love it we're both fulfilled with our business agreement right now but if that changes tomorrow it should just be free to change fluidly naturally organically nobody needs to get their feelings hurt you know we're both adults and we can both just honor where we are at any given moment um so no need for some arbitrary piece of paper that says yes I'm going to feel exactly the same way for the next two years you know um kind of kind of the same deal with marriage Mm -hmm. you know with thinking that um signing a piece of paper and paying fifty dollars and filing it you know, with the state of Arizona means that you're going to be together any longer than you would be without that. Um, it's, it's a complete and total illusion. And so nothing against marriage or the beauty of long-term commitment or long-term partner or anything, but just more of a commitment to each person as an individual. And should things change? Should a person change? Should a relationship shift? Should, you know, this, that, or the other thing happen that we can just stay honest and stay respectful and stay transparent and um, do what's best for the other person at any given moment. That feels like a good note to end on. Do you? Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to before we give our resources and? Um... And also maybe just a, a an inspirational note that we've been together and polyamorous for almost five years. And we've never, not once have we had drama because of it or had a fight because of it or felt like our relationship was in jeopardy because of it. You know, it's done nothing but help us grow as people and inspire, you know, really amazing deep conversations. And it's just been like a great, you know, personal growth tool for for both of us. I think too, um, I guess just a couple other random things that came to, come to mind. Um being having a polyamorous mindset doesn't necessarily mean that you you know have to have more than one partner to actually be polyamorous it's more just about you know a, a whole approach to your to your life and to your relationships um and things like that and also i guess a couple other things i've noticed is like being able to live like that really frees you up to just experience humanity and experience other people in such a a natural and normal way like it's so normal for us to be walking down the street and see somebody that we think is attractive and totally like talk about it and you know just break it down and and enjoy expressing that and then also it's so funny too like the psychology behind it of um you know if you're in a, a polyamorous relationship where you you're i guess able to be with anyone you want or have sex with anyone you want you often find yourself not really wanting to have sex with that many people because you you can you know whereas if you weren't allowed to you'd probably be looking at people all the time and wondering what it would be like if you could be with them but you can't really explore that because you would potentially blow up your existing scenario and then you're just conflicted and then you obsessively fantasize about it and it takes up lots of energy and space yeah and... and it's just a mess but if you can just sort of diffuse that energy in real time as it happens every day then you know it's just never ever a big deal and if somebody does come along and you do want to you know have a sexual relation with them that's totally fine too you know i mean it's all it's all good whether it is whether it happens or whether it doesn't and um just having that freedom is just really really 
I guess, fulfilling and um, it just makes you able to function like a normal human should function, you know, and, and instead of having to keep all these secrets and lies and and just feel you know, bad about, yeah, you know, your natural guilt, urges. you know, yeah. <laughs> guilt with looking at people and things like that. It's just it's just not it's not the way humans really, I think, are meant to function. And so, well, and it's not even um, so much about guilt around sex, even like one example, one story I tell a lot is, you know, one time I was home alone. Chris was out, you know, um, at work or wherever he was. And a friend of a male friend of mine stopped by and he was having a shitty day. And so we sat there and talked about it. And then we ended up just holding hands and cuddling. And we were laying on the couch, like holding each other. Um, when Chris came home and Chris didn't know that this friend was there, Chris didn't know what was going on. And he just totally walked in like nothing and was just like, Oh, Hey, how are you guys doing? And just carried on a conversation with both of us. Like it was just no, it was no big deal. It was it because it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and never once did I think in my mind, Oh God, Chris could come home at any minute. I should call him and let him know what's going on. So he's not taken aback or surprised or so he doesn't react or, you know, none of that was like even present. And so it was so freeing to just have this urge to comfort this friend of the opposite sex and to just be able to do it without shame, without guilt, without worry, Mm -hmm. nothing. You know, it was like such a great expression of just my heart and it allowed me to be so much more than I could be if I was, you know, quieted and stuffed into this little monogamous box where I couldn't follow, you know, my just natural human urges and instincts. Um, and people, another super common question that we get just is, you know, oh, aren't you jealous? Oh, this, that, or the other thing. But it goes back to that if I'm walking down the street and I see a guy and he's attractive, that doesn't mean I feel like Chris is unattractive. It has nothing to do with Chris. It's a completely, it's its own thing unto itself. It doesn't take away from how attracted I am to Chris. Definitely. And so I think that's, you know, a big thing. Or if vice versa, if Chris, you know, sees a girl who's like, I don't know, super artistic and interesting or whatever, it doesn't mean that he thinks I'm not interesting or less interesting or that she's more interesting than me. You know, it's nothing like that at all. Everything is exactly what it is. Nothing is taken to mean anything or nobody's words are twisted around, you know, nobody's feelings are hurt. Everything just is exactly what it is in any moment. Yes. So totally. That's super, super important too. Anything else? I don't think so. So I think we're just going to close with some resources that helped us. Um, Body talk is super hard to explain in a nutshell, but it's a great, great, form of um, energetic medicine and it's something that you can physically go and do versus you know just here's a book you can read or a video you can watch um, and it's generally really quick it gets right to the point it it will uncover your shit right away and so that was a tool that we used individually um, and then that we also went and had sessions together as a couple and it was really helpful to us and so you can um, just google body talk and find um, somebody in your area we also the work of David Data really helped us both a lot Um, his name is D-E-I-D-A 
and he has a series on YouTube that's called David Data Spirit Sex Love and it's in 12 parts they're just six or seven minutes each that's fantastic to watch and just will intrigue you and inspire you and he also has a handful of books that are really great um one of them's called intimate communion a really great book to read together um and another one is called way of the superior man and then there's two other great books one is called the sex diaries project and the other one is called sex at dawn um and these are books these books and videos will just help you kind of with the concept of human nature and that monogamy is actually a super recent practice and it's not sort of intrinsically, you know, how humans are designed to be. There's another really good website that I discovered not too long ago. Uh, I think it's called morethan2.com mm. and um, it's just a huge, huge resource uh, for everything polyamory. Like it, it breaks down all kinds of different scenarios and um, it's just full of loads of great articles like you could sit there for a week and read everything on it and still not get enough so um definitely check that out so um thanks for listening and sticking with us for these 26 minutes (laughs) um if you feel free to contact us we'd love to hear your thoughts we'd love to hear ideas for future podcasts um and we hope that you guys will all join us next time yes thanks everybody